Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. I hope you guys all had a wonderful week. We are back here for our bi-weekly porpoisodes with Kendra and Liam. Um, in our porpoisodes, we focus on one book. And this book, we are reading Listening to Whales by Alexandra Morton. Um, we decided to do three chapters this week instead of two. So we're going over chapters 11 through uh, 13. How's everybody doing today? Good. Uh, doing good. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and to find the unmute button. Rip. I feel like that's the... It's always hard to do that in the at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have any news? Anything they care to share this week? I don't. I no. don't. Easy peasy. Easy peas lemon squeeze. Nice. Well, we will just dive into it then. And there's no southern resident news um, at the at this current time. But nope. Besides, they were spotted today. That's it. And we're recording on July 25th. Yep for context in case there is news by the time this episode is up um but they were spotted they be popping kind of um amazing so we can just dive right into it so um throughout the course of this book alexandra borton has shared different parts of her life and her journey with you know studying the acoustics of animals and the different opportunities that she has had um and in chapter 11 she starts off by talking about a baby whale named miracle um who ended up at marine land um wait yes it was marine land right no it was sea uh, land the sea land sorry i keep getting those two mixed up ended up at sea land in vancouver um and she was basically you know discussing how she got started in captivity or at least in previous chapters she discussed that and how that's where she learned about her research and then the more she learned about the whales she realized that the captivity is really not a good idea which i think is the general consensus these days um but how this little whale it was like past the point where people were thinking it was okay to take whales and make them captive um, but this whale ended up in captivity because it was um, riddled with bullet holes and had gashes from propellers way deep in its back um and she basically was talking about how the whale was in awful condition um and they took it back and you know apparently she lived up to her name um being um in captivity and went back to um really great health and ended up being fine so um i don't know she talked a little bit about her emotional experience with this and how like you know, it was hard for her to see because she would think back to Chorky, which is like the original whale that she worked with. Um, what What did you guys think of chapter 11? I thought it was good. I liked what she said on page 148 mm-hmm. about how when Haida had been captured in the late 60s, he'd been an anonymous member of Nameless population. But by the early 80s, every orca in the northern and southern resident communities had its own identity. We knew its mother, its family, and a little bit of its history. A wondrous thing happens when an animal moves from population status to individual standing. It can no longer be mistreated with impunity. Yeah. I, I liked that. That too. Yeah. Um I like I just really feel like the time in which she existed as someone working with orcas is it just must be a, such an interesting perspective to have seen animals getting captured have been like you know pro captivity at one point and then realizing that that's not the case into coming into this where it's like we do know about their families and she's out here collecting data on these animals um 
and uncovering more of these secrets about them. But she also, um, too, it was interesting. Um, I can't remember if it was this chapter or another chapter, but they were talking about how like um, transient orcas were not just like they were completely different it wasn't just like you know they were all in the same group it was somehow like a it wasn't just like a different community it was like a totally different animal and how even though when they were out in the wild they were separated they would help each other out like while in captivity and like show each other how to eat because they had captured like some some transient whales like uh yeah i uh, i think this was a good chapter i think this was a good chapter as well um one thing uh I, uh, what I found really interesting was uh, after uh, Miracle's capture and after uh, her quickly being used as a performer and then when her health started to decline, it was, um, it was interesting to see how quick um, the CEO of Sealand was at the time, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but how quickly he wanted to, um, to uh, get another whale in there yeah I'd quickly get another whale even like because this she was captured in, or she wasn't captured well i mean yeah she was captured in it was the late 70s wasn't it late 70s yeah. early 80s because you know uh because by that point there's all there had already been a, a large amount of backlash against whale captures for a uh, few years um but he uh but even then uh he was very quick to uh to see if they can uh, catch another whale, which eventually they turned to some of the whales up in Iceland and was even willing to make um, uh, deals with people to say, hey, if we, if you let us capture again, we'll, we'll take this whale, keep him for five years and then put him back in the water. So, <laughs> so it was just kind of funny uh, to see just how quick those businesses were willing to keep, in the in the eyes of at least their of the executives of those places, how quickly uh, whales were still seen as still disposable, mm -hmm. and were like desperately trying to make compromises. Yeah, I definitely thought that was interesting too. And then they talked about how like Michael Biggs, who was very anti you know regulation, went out of his way to you know ask that or like you know basically go out and say that captivity was bad and ask that like politicians get involved um in making sure that whales aren't in captivity um and that they ended up basically finding a way to like get two whales but there was like a limit on how long they could keep the whales um which i thought was interesting and naturally they took a calf and a semi-albino whale because that's show business you know mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting to see the perspective shift throughout time. The captivity era is definitely something that's fascinating. It's like one of those things where it's like, it was very toxic, but at the same time, like it did help us to understand a lot about these animals. And like, you know, fortunately, like people like Alexandra, like learned from, you know, what she did and ultimately came to the other side of saying that it's not okay to keep these animals, um, in this setting, um, but, you know, it was just, I guess, a, a very toxic lesson that we had to learn. Yeah, which, yeah, that's, uh, that's, it's really interesting that all those, uh, all the uh, researchers that uh, 
we think of are the legendary researchers uh, who were the first to study orcas. They all, at some point, had something to do with that captivity interest, uh, industry, and it was their it was their work that exposed people to um, the the ultimate to the real nature of, of orca and you know what their behavior is and what and people I think it was through their work that they could relate to them very easily yeah definitely um Henry did you have any other thoughts on this chapter no no that's it mm -hmm. like, um let's see oh also um I the, there's like this one last part where they talked about how um there were two whales that were captured um and that 10 years later or three whales that were captured and 10 years later those three whales became the first to kill humans in captivity um and they were calves that were raised in complete isolation from their whale communities um and basically they ended up just going crazy and dragging their trainers down to their enclosure which i thought was like you know very interesting to see what isolation can do to a social creature but also later in that paragraph they went on to talk about how the orcas that they had um like bought in the past were originally like five thousand dollars um and that they had gotten an icelandic whale later on like years later for two thousand um and that these three whales that killed people were ultimately sold to sea world for five million each which is like crazy how much the price of a whale has gone up over the last i don't know 20 years of them doing this yeah 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 and those three whales are tilikum haida two and nutka four Nutka four? Nutka, Nutka four. four. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Corky's Corky too. Technically. Yeah. No one calls her that, but she is technically Corky too. They couldn't pick other names. They couldn't be original. There are, like, it was just, they kept similar names, but just added numbers. Like an honorific. Not all of them, but in the beginning, there are a lot of Nutkas, Haidas, Kandu, Kandu five. Um, can do five is the one that had the incident with Corky at SeaWorld San Diego, where she then died from a ruptured artery. Um, and then Corky adopted her baby. Can you yeah. explain the incident for those of our listeners who are not aware? Yes. Um, in, I don't actually remember what year it is, but Can Do Five was a very dominant female whale at SeaWorld San Diego. Corky is very much not a dominant female whale. And Can Do Five was having an altercation with Corky and depending most people agree that what happened was Candu 5 went to Ram Corky missed and hit the wall which broke her jaw and cut through an artery and then she bled out some people like to say that Corky PETA actually was stupid and like a year ago had said Corky killed a whale but that's not what happened um, and then uh, Candu 5 bled out with Corky and Orchid. Orchid was her less than a year old calf at the time. Corky's now, I mean, Orchid's now like 35. She's the oldest living captive born whale in captivity. She's at SeaWorld San Diego. Um, but yeah, bled out to death. There's video of it. Not of the ramming, but there's video of Candu 5 like bleeding out in the tank and little Orchid and Corky in there with her. And then yeah, Corky adopted Orchid and they still live at SeaWorld San Diego. That's so intense and like makes you want to throw up a little bit. Watch the video. It'll make you want to throw up even more. Oh my God. No, that poor baby will. I'm like traumatized just listening to that. Orchid's the best. Orchid's my favorite. 
Oh, there's yeah. some. Oh, there's some really nice pic. Like, there's some really really nice pictures. Which I got, which I had the privilege of seeing. If you've seen Blackfish, you've seen the video, Erica. Okay, it's in there. Yeah, but there's a clips of it. There's a very, there's a very, very, uh, there's a very colorful video, or not video, but there's some, there are a bunch of colorful video uh, pictures that I ended up being exposed to, accidentally at some point, and I can't get it out of my mind. But this is awful i don't know i definitely found it very interesting just to like like what these whales will do in isolation just like as social creatures and it's i don't know a lot of obviously a lot of humans have spent their time in isolation over the last like two years and we're getting out of that but it's just i don't know goes to show how much social creatures need to socialize so they don't start acting crazy and also, too, probably how important like exercise and movement is, considering the orcas can travel like a hundred miles in a day, and a tank obviously is not a hundred miles long. So, um, pretty nutty. But anywho, so moving on to chapters twelve and thirteen, she basically goes on to talk about um, her trying to move um, and them trying to find the right spot. Her and her husband. Um, her husband Robin and her son Garrett trying to find a good place for them to live and be able to do the things that they wanted to do um, and they had a charter company which like basically kept them afloat um, but it wasn't giving them enough time to do whale things um, so they started making like changes on how they were going to figure out how to do more whale stuff I also do want to note that on page 170 um, there's a whole paragraph about how whales are gay so um do you guys want me to read you the entire paragraph? Be who you are for your yes, pride. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because she goes, before I go any further, I should say that when it comes to killer whales, as with other cetaceans, there's sex and then there's sex. Whales and dolphins are highly sensual, sexual beings. I've seen male dolphins drag frisbees around with their penises. I've seen females insert their rostrums into the genital slits of pen mates and propel them around the tank. All sorts of objects, even turtles were incorporated into sex play. In the wild, sex play occurs whenever there are partners with plentiful food. Male sex play usually happens in the absence of females. You can't see exactly what's going on, but you can often glimpse their 13 foot i'm sorry not 13 damn three that's, foot oh my god <laughs> <laughs> three foot pink penises waving around in the rough and tumble so it's it's gay out here um what's that one whale that has a penis that's like two stories tall or long or i'm unaware of that whale there's there's one whale with an with an especially long one that's just longer than normals. Is it the sperm whale that has it? I I I can't remember. I know barnacles. I remember seeing I remember seeing a joke about it. It just made me laugh. Yeah, the blue whale has the largest penis in the animal kingdom. It is okay. average length is eight feet two inches or two and a half meters. Oh. Um. And the diam what? And a diameter of thirty centimeters to thirty-six centimeters. Okay. Yeah. The longest their penis can be is like ten feet. That's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. So um, very I know, 
barnacles have the longest body to penis ratio. Yep. Like, yeah, I think that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, multiple times the size of their body. So there's that. Maybe Love. that's why whales are gay because barnacles just be sticking their dicks out while they're attaching to the whales all the time. And they're just like picking up on this gay energy, you know? That wouldn't explain the, so would... the lesbians, though. Yeah. That's oh, true. Yeah. Because not only are they gay, there's also the lesbian cetacean activity. Yeah. Which oh, just, yeah. it's just, there's male on male sociosexual behaviors, there's female on female sociosexual behaviors within cetaceans. The female on female, from my eye understanding, is most, has been mostly observed in bottlenose dolphins. Mm-hmm. But at least like scientifically, there's a paper about dolphin clitorises. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say that. Some of you may have seen like some posts and stuff about other female on female sociosexual behavior with whales and dolphins, but I'm just talking about the paper about the dolphin clit. Gang gang, that dolphin clit. So I just I just unexpected need- conversation about dolphin that part, I can't, that part I can't relate to. <laughs> yeah, no, I just any opportunity to make things gay is I'm taking it. So do it. Immediately was like this. Do it. 24 7 seven days a week 12 months out of the year yeah lifetime when pride month was happening my cousin called me like in the first couple days my family's like pretty gay like out of my extended family members there's like 11 of us cousins and four of us are out and there's still two young ones that we're like questioning we're like hmm are you gonna follow suit but um she called me and she was like this was in june she's like you know, Pride Month, Pride Month is every month, but this is Super Bowl, baby. So keep it gay, always. Um, anyways, so the whales are gay, and we knew that. Um, what other thoughts did you guys have on these last two chapters? Um, oh, she also talked about in Chapter 13, like, her first time observing them killing, like, a stellar sea lion and how it was, like, very brutal. And she said that they had become infinitely more real. Um, she says, I had witnessed the raw exchange of energy that gave the transient orca its place in the ecosystem. Which killer whales, they are scary. They do be scary. Yeah, that was that was uh, really fascinating. That was a really interesting uh, or just really cool uh, part of was, yeah, when she talked about that, especially when she was uh, when she was saying, I forget the exact words, but she said something along the lines of, um, I'm very grateful that um, that transients who were captured never unleashed this or never loosed this power onto humans. They yeah. might yet, though, because that's all they have in Russia and China. That's true. Yeah, and they've had babies. The first successful captive-born transient whale. That's wild. I forget what his name is, but everyone calls him Chip because his mom's name is Cookie, and there is a. Th- thought that the another female at their at another facility is pregnant so um that could be that could be determined um this one is well i mean all of them over there except for the killer whales in it at um sea world not sea world no it is sea world i think um there's a facility in japan it's not a sea world sea world but it is called no, sea I get World. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, kind of like the one in Australia. It's not technically the trademark Sea World that we have in the States, but they have they have three or four, and I believe all of those are residents from Iceland. But the facilities in China and Russia are all Russian caught transient killer whales. 
okay, from the last yeah. 10 years they've all been captured the last capture was i think in like i can't give a date but it was within like the last 10 years too i think it was the last one was in i wasn't it in 2011 no they had the one with the 90 whales the 90 um belugas and 10 killer whales yeah those were all released but even before then there there have been more captures in um Oh yeah, yeah, it was Russia. Russia. I think yeah, two years ago, I think it was. There was a report about Russia catching two more. They it, have been yeah, they've been on a um ban. They've been on a ban. Yeah, they're currently not allowed to capture for five years. I think it's not five now, but it was five years at one point or something like that, and that is set to expire relatively soon. So the last captures were okay those are birds i don't need that 2016 okay all right that might, of, yeah. these are russian males they are awaiting to be shown off at chimelong and another facility in china the whales at chimelong which should be apparently open in like a month don't know if that's going to happen but that's apparently what's yeah being rumored um they were all captured in 2015 for the most part they had they originally had nine that number has now rumored to have gone up to 11 with one dying but multiple being born but none of this can be confirmed because the facility is completely closed off it's not seen by the public at all because they haven't opened for sure there's their like public facing aspect is still under development or like construction um there's some videos though of the whales in their like inside facility and then yeah within like the last two months i want to say rumors popped up that they've had calves born and that one of the original whales they caught died but all of their whales are russian transients that were captured because in russia they're only allowed to capture transients for yeah. some reason because in 2012 well in 2003 a Russian female killer whale was captured. I believe she was a resident. She was the only one. And then in 2012, they got permits to capture orcas in the Osh. I'm reading a post that I've made about it. At some sea I can't say the name of. And since then, more than 20 mammal-eating orcas have been captured and sold to facilities in Russia and China. Jesus. Since 2012. And so currently they're on a ban, but in thinking like a year or two, they could technically reapply for permits and then we'll see if they continue with capturing or if they stop they might stop since they may have had multiple successful births by now yeah so in that sense like yay yeah but also not yay because yeah. little babies born into captivity but um yeah. Oh, yeah. In 20, hello. In 2021, Russia implemented a ban on the capture of wild orcas and belugas until 2023. So it is next year. My mind, it was right in front of me. It was right in front of you. And I just didn't keep reading. It, so. it, happens. it happens to the best of us. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. So her wow. quote. Yeah. We may come to find out. We may but, come to find out. I think we will come to find out. Yeah. And I just, it's crazy to me, like, I, I can see how the industry existed in the beginning, like of people were just curious and they had no idea. And like, but then it turned into 
being greedy and egotistical and needing to have money and, and conquer an animal. Um, and then we learned and like, and in the United States, I feel like it's not, it's, I don't want to say it's like a non-issue, but it's becoming a non-issue because you can't capture anymore and you can't breed certain animals anymore. So it's like, technically people could capture if they just applied for permits and got approved technically don't plant the seed no but i i mean they'd get they'd most likely get denied without proper clearance but yeah. technically it's not outright banned in the u.s yeah people could still apply for permits like noah or for whatever reason right. and get a get permission to, to add to the yeah which hopefully no one tries to do because there's definitely other ways SeaWorld tried um i can't remember what year but they did try to get a permit to capture a bunch of whales up in Alaska. They when, tried what? Oh, sorry. When like other things started falling through, they went to do it in Alaska. And I think, I know Emma knows a lot about this, Emma Luck, about this permit, but they were basically like trying to push it as they wanted to capture a pretty large number, but then only keep a couple of them. Like long-term, it was really weird. Emma's told me about it. I could probably Google it right now and read about it, but there's some, they have tried to capture again in the US. I can't say when that was, yeah. but it was it was a weird permit because it was trying to be like, oh, for research and then we'd only keep this many or it was some weird thing within the permit that was just wonky. Yes. That's fucking whack. I all of it's just like weird to me. I don't know. There's just like it's crazy to me how people can be like armed with the knowledge now and like you know, back in the day, I think that we should give people the benefit of the doubt that they didn't know and they learned from their mistakes because there are people that came from like, you know, one side to the other. And, you know, obviously not any, everything's black and white. Only the whales are black and white. But like, mm-hmm, clever. You know, it's yeah, it's it's just like sad to see that it still happens today. And I like I just kind of get frustrated by it, too, because I feel like we need to be focusing our issues on the fact that the ecosystem is dying and it's like frustrating that people are out here taking these whales. Cause then it's like that then takes away from trying to make the ecosystem a better place as a whole, because then now we have to give resources and time and energy to that issue as well. That's like a completely unnecessary man-made issue as yeah. most of are, you know, it's fair. Yeah. But it'd be wildin'. It'd be wildin'. Yeah. So little, little brief captivity history lesson in the middle of this. We love obviously a lot more to it, but yeah, we're in the, in the West, we are on the last leg of the industry, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. With orcas, with other animals, not so much. Yeah. With the orcas, it's a start. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, amazing. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts for our listeners? No, I felt that like a lot of this is set up for like her moving her life Mm -hmm. to go and do like the rest of the book. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of her, her transient period. (laughs) Um, More so than like the deep, like some of the whale research that like she explains more as she gets into the rest of the book, um, Mm -hmm. for example. And then like eventually her, her, leeway into the salmon world which she does more so now than well she does now I wouldn't even say more so I don't know how involved she is with the whales anymore at all but like her focus on like the salmon um farming industry Mm -hmm. and whatnot 
So I feel like this is like her setup. Like we're getting some backstory on how she gets up to the islands and and seeing life up there. And then we get more into her her whale journeys. Right. Yes. I've read the book, which is why I, I'm saying that. Why I've she... read the whole thing. Yeah. But that's how like I view these chapters. So like there's some good stuff to talk about. Like obviously there are like good quotes, but a lot of it I feel like it's that's kind of why I think it feels short for like discussion. Yeah, no, I agree. The same thing. It's just like like we were able to talk about some things like captivity and transient whales and things like that. But yeah, I agree. Because otherwise we'd just be like describing her life, which if you guys are reading the book, you can just Yeah. We don't got to do that. Yeah, we don't got to do that. That's your job. Awesome. All righty, guys. Well, we are going to um, end this episode then. Thanks for listening. Tune back in next week. Um, We are recording the episodes in advance. So if there's any whale news that is not included, that's why. Um, But tune in in two weeks. Hope you guys have um, a whaley fantastic week. Amazing. So corny. (laughs) Bye. Bye.